This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Tuning in to a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. You might be experiencing this on social media. Perhaps you're listening to it on 90.1 FM KPFT, Houston's community radio station. Or maybe you're watching the video on www.fox26houston.com. Or maybe you're watching this in a literature class or a sociology class or your community center. Either way you got here, we're so happy that you got here because today we're celebrating our dear friend, Reina Grande. So we're going to bring her on screen. We got Roxana Guzman who's helping us as well. Primero, saludos a Reina. Reina, it's wonderful to get to see you. You look so good. I haven't seen you in a while. You know what? I miss seeing you in person. I think I'm having a flashback. I think the last time I saw you in person was at the Associated Writers Program right as the COVID-19 epidemic was rolling in. Is that, am I remembering that right? Yes, yes. Although when I think of you, I think of you showing up in a tuxedo to my Oh my reading. goodness, that's <laughs> I don't think I'll ever think of you any other way now. El Catriz. <laughs> You told me to dress up. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I showed up wearing jeans and your, your tuxedo with your bow tie. But you're the muse. You are the imagination. See, I've, I've got to try and dress up to keep up. So, está bien, está bien. I, sh I should have worn my prom dress. <laughs> <laughs> next time. Next time. And there's going to be a next time, which we are yeah, going to. that's right. Which we are April gonna 1st, about. you're going to show up in a tuxedo again? you got to warn me. you got to <laughs> warn me. <laughs> Although San Antonio, I might have to wear a guayabera. I might have to wear a red guayabera, which is like a tuxedo in Texas. So, vamos a ver. And we'll keep texting each other just to kind of add intrigue and mystery and excitement to the. But va a ser un estreno. Con red carpet, and it's going to be like the Latino Grammys because you know all the familia is going to be there in person celebrating you. So, oh man, yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to that event. That's fantastic. And I want to let folks know, of course, you think what you're getting here for you because you're part of the familia, but maybe folks are tuning in on mistake. Maybe they're driving on the highway and tuning into radio and catching this because they heard a cool song right before we started chatting. Maybe it's by chance, but we are celebrating your new novel, A Ballad of Love and Glory. Congratulations. Thank you. And we're going to talk about the book. We're going to talk about what it took to write that book. We're going to talk about you. You're going to read an excerpt for us. And we're also celebrating that you'll be kicking off your tour across the country. But for us in Texas, it's very important that you will represent from now on the first author at the Latino Bookstore in San Antonio, mm -hmm. their Texas Author Series also. 
And for historical purposes, people should know that that was April 1st, the first Friday of April, and every subsequent first Friday after that, the Texas Author Series brings to la gente on the west side, in person, the beautiful Latino bookstore. Roxana just brought up the graphic right there, and that's when we kicked off. We The book store opened on October 1st, 2021. It's been going in full swing, but now we're beginning the Texas Author Series but we want our community to begin their family libraries or to restock it. These are all the things we're going to talk about. And, of course, Roxana Guzman is our social media producer and our multi-platform producer. I want to thank her for helping us with this and the entire Nuestra Palabra team, including Rodrigo Bravo, who mixes our show for the audio version of the program. And we're all coming together I should also mention the BIPOC Arts Network Fund, who's helping to fund a portion of what we do and to celebrate all the forces that have come together. Um, now, I do want, again, I, I'm treating you like my favorite comadre, como mi hermana. I want to get a little formal. So I do want to read to you, um, dear listeners and viewers, a short bio in case you are New to the Reina Grande experience. Nuestra <laughs> <laughs> amiga Reina Grande is an award-winning author, motivational speaker, and writing team. As a girl, she crossed the U.S.-Mexico border to join her familia in Los Angeles, a harrowing journey chronicled in The Distance Between Us, a National Book Critics Circle Award finalist. First of all, congratulations. Thank you. For that. Very important. Um, her other books include the novels Across a Hundred Mountains and Dancing with Butterflies and the memoirs The Distance Between Us, one reader's edition, and A Dream Called Home. She was featured in the Oprah's Book Club, National Public Radio's Morning Edition, the BBC, CNN, Univision, the New York Times, among others, including Nuestra Palabra all the time. So we're going to have her on all the time. Uh, she's a powerful voice in the Latino community, the Latinx community, the Chicana community, and beyond. If you want to find out even more, you can go to reinagrande.com. Uh, un abrazo grande. Welcome back to, well, Texas, because that's where I am. Where, <laughs> where are you right now, this moment, chatting with us? I am in my office, in my home, in Woodland, California which is 20, 20 minutes outside of Sacramento. Which is the capital of the state. How, how yes. big is your town? It's 50,000. It doesn't feel that way, though. It feels really small. And I don't know a whole lot of people in Woodland. I, I want to meet more people in my community. But it's hard, you know, being a writer. Sometimes it's hard to meet people because... I'm in my house a lot, or when I go do events, I'm usually traveling to other places. So that's something that, that, that's what I love about coming to Texas, because every time I visit, I feel that in a way it's my home away from home, because I know so many people in Texas, you know, like you, Norma Cantu, um, Natalia Treviño, Rosie Castro, Carmen Tafoya. I mean, there's there's so many good friends in Texas, and I, I sometimes I feel like an honorary Tejana 
when I'm there. <laughs> of course. And I love that you give giving shout-outs to our, our, our familia out here. Of course, you've also been a part of Mocondo, Mocondo Writers Retreat, founded by Sandra Cisneros. Yeah, well, th- I think that, 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 that kind of welcomed me into the literary community in Texas. Because of Macondo, I got to meet a lot of people there in San Antonio and, you know, Austin and Houston and in the Rio Grande Valley. Um, so many Tejanos that I met because of Macondo. I should also, um, because I'm so familiar with you, I've just, I've lost all sense of formality. Uh, so I'm going to remind folks, this is a multi-platform broadcast for Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on social media. Shout out to 90.1 FM, KPFT, Houston's community station. That's where our broadcast began, and we're so happy that it's still uh, the basis for what we do. But we also want to welcome some new experiences, including... Uh, online at www.fox26houston.com. I'm Tony Diaz, a libro traficante, and I'm also a member of the Mocondo community. So if you don't know how these pieces fit in, of course, Nuestra Palabra was founded and began in Houston, Texas, but we're big supporters of the Latino Bookstore, which is located in San Antonio, and that's part of the banner of the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. And of course, we're all nonprofit organizations. Nuestra Palabra, Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center, the Latino Bookstore, even KPFT, all coming together to make sure that we get community, uh, community members access to the leading figures in literature. That's why I love chatting with you. We're going to have you read an excerpt in a little bit. But to me, you represent someone that has always had that cariño for the community, keeps it real, is back in the community, but you've, you're succeeding at the upper echelon of corporate publishing, uh, academic publishing, powerful aesthetics. Your form hits all all the criteria for masterful work, but also very much, very much from the community. Um, we're going to talk about how your current book talks about the history of Texas. I think that's one, yes. that's also one big reason why it's wonderful that you will go down in history as uh, La Reina que lanzó the Texas Author Series at the uh, at the Latino book uh, at the Latino bookstore but is it is it important for you to stay in touch with the community and, and why yeah no i mean for sure because as you know writing can get very lonely you know it's, it it could be a lonely profession because when we write we are usually alone in our own space in our head and so it's so important for me, like once in a while to take a break from that and to go out into the community and to make sure that I'm staying in touch with writers, with readers, with people who love literature, people who want to celebrate our stories and to, you know, make sure that, that we're working together to elevate the arts and to elevate other voices that tend to be left out of the publishing industry and other industries. So this is why, to me, it's really important for us to continue to cultivate these spaces where we can come together as a community and to support one another. 
I love it. And I love it because you live it. And I think the people appreciate that. As like, like, like I mentioned off air, we're telling people that you're coming and they're getting fired up. But I think it's that connection as well, as well as the powerful writing. I'm, we kind of demand that of, of all our heroes and heroines. And I think mm-hmm. it's beautiful to, to see that happen. Um, I don't want to comadrear and compadrear too long and not talk about your book because we have to sell it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. This is a big deal. (laughs) A ballad of love and glory. We hope people will add this to their family library. And that can mean beginning your family library with this or replenishing it. Or maybe you're the cool tío or tía that's, you're getting these books into everybody's hands in in the in, in la casa, in la casita, at the community center, at, at your family gatherings. But t- tell folks a little bit about the overview because it's, yes. it's great because it's so well written. I love the historical aspect, but it's just a fun read anyway. Yeah, thank you. So A Ballad of Love and Glory, here's the, the hardcover that I just got yesterday. Um, it is my very first historical fiction. Before this, I have written contemporary fiction and memoir, and this is my first time um, coming into this, you know, historical fiction genre, and it it's a story set during the Mexican-American War, so it, that book takes place from 1846 to 1848, although in the backstory, I mentioned the Texas Rebellion 10 years earlier. So you get a little bit of the history of, you know, the Texas Rebellion, the Battle of the Alamo and San Jacinto and Santana, and how it impacted um, the Mexican-American War. And, of course, the annexation of Texas, you know, what was the spark that kind of started this conflict between the U.S. and Mexico. So I wanted to explore this time in history through fiction, because I feel that we really don't know a whole lot about the Mexican-American War. You know, we, we're not taught about this war in school, so we don't really learn about it. We don't learn that, that the complex uh, relationship between the U.S. and Mexico kind of started back during this, this era. And, of course, the fight for the southern border, it, it has been ongoing ever since then, right? So for me, it was really important to kind of teach myself this history by writing this book. And it is a novel, so it's not a history book, even though it is deeply grounded in history. And I did not take many liberties as a writer in terms of like creative liberties. I did not take a lot of creative license to manipulate that event. So when you read the book, you really are getting a Almost all of it is factual, but I wanted to to set my story within this this timeline of the war, and it is a love story. You know, it's a love story between a Tejana named Jimena. She's from San Antonio de Bejar, and and um, she falls in love with an Irishman who deserted the U.S. Army and switched sides to fight for Mexico. And this Irishman, his name is John Riley, and he's actually a real historical figure. And the St. Patrick's Battalion is a real uh, brigade of deserters from the U.S. Army. So um, this is a love story between two people who help each other survive 
this war, this devastating war. And I, I, I can't wait to, to share it with you all. I love it. And I'm going to resist dying and diving into all these juicy tidbits of history that you're bringing up because it's wonderful to hear you dramatize it. And you're helping people get some of our history in this different way. Um, of course, it's Texas. You're coming in from California in Texas. You know, there's all kinds of uh, fans going on in historical fiction. But don't worry, we have many Libro Traficantes who will be at your readings in case we do have to smuggle your book throughout <laughs> the state or cross any state lines with it. So so we'll be fine as long as it comes to that, but I don't want to, I'm going to resist diving into it because you said you'd be kind enough to give us the pleasure of having you read an excerpt from your book. Uh, so we're looking yeah. forward to that. Uh, quick question. Have you yeah. had a chance to read any excerpts yet? Um, I have shared a few excerpts it, when I talk about the book, when I was pitching the book and promoting the book. So, but this is my first time reading from the actual book. From the hard, so from the finished hard copy. That's our exclusive. That excerpt. Yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, you are tuning in to History in the Making as our dear friend Reina Grande reads exclusively <laughs> from the finished copy of A Ballad of Love and Glory. Take it away. Gracias. All right. Thank you. So this is the opening of the book, Chapter 1. March 1846, El Fronton de Santa Isabel, Gulf of Mexico. When the three steamships came into view, undulating on the shimmering waters of the Gulf, the villagers grew quiet and still in the way Jimena has seen meadowlarks freeze when hunted by a hawk. Standing on the shore of the Laguna Madre, the water soaking into her skirt, she squinted from the glare as she watched the ships passing through the entrance of the inlet, the smoke rolling out of their funnels dark as storm clouds. She trembled inside. These vessels were not traders or merchants bringing goods to market. The port of El Fronton de Santa Isabel, just north of the mouth of the Rio Bravo del Norte, was a lifeline for the small settlements and scattered ranches in the area and the nearby city of Matamoros. Jimena loved swimming and fishing in the bay, the cool salt air and rolling waves, so whenever her husband went to the port to sell and trade supplies from the rancho, she eagerly joined him. As the steamships anchored in the harbor, she caught flashes of red and blue in the air and something glinting on the decks in the afternoon sunlight. Though she couldn't see clearly what they carried, an image formed in her mind. Bronze cannons and blue-clad soldiers. For eight months, she'd been hearing rumors of war, ever since U.S. and Texas soldiers had been encamped in Corpus Christi Bay. But as long as they remained 250 kilometers away, their presence hadn't disrupted her daily life. Three months before, in the last days of 1845, the Republic of Texas had become the 28th state in the Union 
and a dispute had erupted over the strip of land between the Rio Bravo, or the Rio Grande as the North Americanos called it, and the Rio Nueces to the north. She, like everyone, knew it was only a matter of time before the Yankee president, James Polk, would order his troops to march south to take possession of the disputed land. These warships, Jimena realized, were bringing an end to what little tranquility had existed in her region. We should go, she whispered, turning to her grandmother who was standing beside her in the water. Nana Hortensia's silver braids hung loosely at either side of her head, and although the years had bent and twisted her body like the limbs of a mesquite, her hands were firm and steady. The old woman sighed with worry and whispered, Let us go find your husband, mijita. Tolling church bells shattered the eerie silence that had descended upon the small community. All at once, mothers pulled their children out of the water and rushed them home. Fisherwomen snatched up their baskets, and fruit and vegetable vendors hastily loaded their crates onto their carts. Out in the Laguna Madre, the fishermen were rowing their boats back to the wharf. Then bugles sounded the alarm, and a handful of Mexican soldiers protecting the port hurried to their post. Jimena waded out of the water and guided her grandmother to the storehouses. Her wet skirt clung to her legs, her sandals squished, but there was no time to change. She quickened her pace, but as Nana Hortensia struggled to keep up, she forced herself to slow down, to not panic. Clutching the old woman's hand, they wove through the throng of frightened villagers, her eyes searching for her husband, Joaquin. She sighed in relief when she spotted the ranch hands at a storehouse, rushing to finish loading the sacks of coal onto the carts. But Joaquin wasn't with them, nor could she find him inside. Stay here, Nana, she said, and hurried back outside. As Jimena whirled around into the street, a party of Texas Rangers rode into the plaza from the rear of the port, shouting their wild cries and firing their revolvers into the air. The villagers screamed and ran for cover. The Mexican soldiers guarding the custom house hastily fired warning shots, and the rangers retaliated. The grass-touched roof of the custom house had already begun to smoke and then suddenly burst into flames. Joaquin! Jimena cried out, pushing past the crowd, her heart flailing like a seagull trapped in netting. Seeing her husband run out of the building, she rushed to join him. Vámonos, he said, taking her hand. The air reeked of smoke. Jimena could hear the crackling of the burning timber and thatch as the villagers' huts burned. Flames lit the rafters in the plaza church, even as the bells continued to toll. People ran out of their homes with whatever they could carry. A fortunate few loaded their wagons and carts and fled. The rest followed behind on foot in a frantic pace, seeking shelter in the prairie beyond. The Yankee cavalry suddenly burst through the smoke, led by a peculiar old man dressed like a farmer and wearing a straw hat. They shot pistols into the air, and in the shock silence that followed, the man in the straw hat pulled his horse to a halt and held up one hand. My name is General Zachary Taylor, Commander-in-Chief of the Army of Occupation of the United States of America. Do not be afraid.
No one waited to hear the Yankee general say more. Joaquin handed Jimena her horse's reins, and as soon as La Nortensia sat safely in one of the canvas-top wagons and the ranch hands took the reins, they rode out of the village, eluding the general and his mounted troops along with the rangers. They made their way across the broad plains, but encumbered by wagons and carts loaded with sacks of rice, wheat flour, coffee, and cacao, crates of piloncillo and dried fish, and other provisions they had picked up at the port, they couldn't get away fast enough. As the gathering dusk gave over to the fireflies twinkling over the prairie, Jimena, struggling to see in the deepening twilight, wondered how long it would take to cover the remaining nine kilometers to the rancho. She glanced back at the village in the distance and saw it was covered in an orange haze. War is coming, she said. No, mi amor, Joaquin said. They will negotiate. I'm sure it won't come to war. He was only trying to ease her worries, but it was futile trying to shield her from what she had witnessed that day. What else could this be, if not an act of war? She remembered ten years before when Texas rebelled against Mexico and declared itself an independent republic, it proclaimed that its boundary would then extend 250 kilometers south to the Rio Bravo, even though the Rio Nueces had been the established border, even before Mexico had achieved its independence from Spain. Mexico had never recognized Texas' independence or its claim to the Rio Bravo and the region between the two rivers, and it had warned the United States to keep its hands off its lands. Looking to the sky, Jimena thought of the single star on the flag of the Republic of Texas, realizing that it was not part of the American constellation. If the United States was not ready to destroy everything in its wake, what would become of her and her family? Wow. We are enjoying a reading from A Ballad of Love and Glory. We're with Reina Grande. She's joining us on a multi-platform broadcast of Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having to say, I'm Tony Diaz, and I'm so excited to get to talk about the book. I'm excited that we'll be convening in person again, and you'll be kicking off the Texas Author Series with the Latino Bookstore in San Antonio at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. But more than anything, oh my gosh, you got a love story, so much history. I love the story of Los San Patricio, so I want to talk a little bit about that because we could do a yeah. just on the history. Right. And then I want to talk about the juicy love story, Tami. <laughs> um, what's not to love about the San Patricios, but tell us a little bit more about how, what you researched about them, how you heard about the story originally, and, um, and and what attracted you to that. Because it is a very powerful incident in history that you're right, mm -hmm. the time talked about it now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that is how I came to write this book, was because I heard about Los San Patricios. You know, somebody in 2013... I was doing an event and somebody came up to me and said, oh, have you heard of Los San Patricios? And I said, no. And then they said, oh, you should write a book about them. And, you know, once in a while I have I have people who give me ideas, but I went home and I Googled Los San Patricios because I didn't know anything about them. And I was just so fascinated by their story, you know, hearing about this, this battalion 
in the Mexican army that was composed of deserters from the U.S. Army. And the majority of them were Irish. And their leader, John Riley, was Irish from County Galway. And I just couldn't believe that that was real, that that had really happened. So I started to do more research about the St. Patrick's Battalion, about John Riley. And then I started to write chapters about John Riley. And as I was right, as I was researching, I, I read a, a ton of books, dozens of books mm-hmm. on the history of the Mexican-American War. I came upon a poem written by John Greenleaf Whittier. And it was funny because I was living in the city of Whittier, which is a suburb of LA and it's named after John Greenleaf Whittier. Oh, wow. so, I, so I came upon this poem by Whittier called The Angels of Buena Vista. And it's a poem about a Mex- about a Mexican woman named Jimena who is out in the battlefield tending to the wounded. So then I started to wonder, well, who's this woman? Why is she there in the battlefield? Where did she come from? Who did she lose in this war? And that's how my character Jimena was born from this poem. So I try to combine um, John Riley's story of being in the U.S. Army and deserting and switching sides to fight for Mexico and then Jimena. And I made that into a love story because one of the things I learned during my research was that John, the real John Riley, it was rumored that he had fallen in love with a Mexican widow. And some people think, like nobody knows what happened to John Riley after the war, but some people think that he stayed in Mexico and married this widow. Other people think he went back to Ireland. Other people think that he died of malaria or, or, or drunkenness um, after the war. So we don't know. So then in my story, I started to, to imagine this love uh, between Jimena, who becomes a widow um, in the early part of the book, and then John Riley. Well, I think it's intriguing on so many levels. But let's just start with the affinity from a group of U.S. soldiers for what's happening with, um, you know, Catholics, humans, on, on this other side of this of this battle. So you felt that connection because there were enough bonds for for these soldiers to say this is not right. We're we're, we're changing sides. So mm-hmm. there's those there's all those layers that you were. So there was that connection, no? At least a cariño for the cultura, but like you're saying, there had to be there had to be more of that. So you felt yeah. the love story right away, or or as you're layering? You're yeah. Of, um. What is I, no, it didn't come right away. I when I first started writing the novel, I thought I was writing about John Riley and the San Patricios. And I was really exploring their situation, you know, what led to them deserting and switching sides. Mm-hmm. So then I wrote all these scenes with John Riley in the U.S. Army, witnessing a lot of discrimination and ethnic, ethnic discrimination, right? Because in the 1840s, even though nowadays when we think of the Irish, we think of them being part of mainstream white society, right? Mm-hmm. White America, um, the Irish Americans who live here, we see them as white with their white privilege. 
But in the 1840s, the Irish immigrants that were coming were not benefiting from white privilege. You know, their white skin did not protect them or give them any, any, any advantage. They were severely discriminated for, for being poor, for being, you know, um, like, like the unwanted kind of immigrant. Many of them were illiterate. You know, many of them were escaping poverty and the famine in, in Ireland. And they were Catholic, um, so they were they were discriminated for their religion as well. So when I first started the book, I really wanted to write about John Riley's experience as an Irish immigrant in in the United States and the mistreatment that he he witnesses um, and what led to him um, deserting and switching sides because desertion was punishable by by death. So many of them, when they deserted, it was at a great risk to them. And as we know in history, um, the St. Patrick's Battalion, many of the members of this battalion ended up getting hanged. So it's a tragic story, too. And um, I wanted to explore why they did what they did and also kind of highlight this um, this conflicting opinion of them because in, in the U.S. they're considered traitors and they have been erased from history or not even acknowledged. And yet in Mexico, they're celebrated as heroes. You know, they're the Irish heroes of Mexico and they're, um, there's a monument to them. There's a bust of John Riley in Plaza San Jacinto. Um, there's parades every September that are held in their honor. And, and I, I just think it's, it's really beautiful. And I wanted to explore that, that complexity and that duality of, of, of who, who gets to be the hero and who gets to be the traitor. And at the same time, you're bringing out this other history. You, you mentioned the station of Catholics in the U.S. Um, when I've read works by some Irish, Irish-American writers, I do feel an affinity because often, especially in the United Kingdom, they're treated like the Chicanos of the United Kingdom sometimes, you know? So when, when I read their work, too, I kind of feel that, that sort of second affinity. And you've mentioned... You've mentioned some names. Uh, you mentioned Whittier. Uh, you mentioned the San Patricios. You mentioned Riley. Um, you know, even in Chile, there's uh, O'Higgins had a big role in, in the development of Chilean history there. But again, in, in those countries, that history is observed. As you mentioned, here in the United States, um, you can go back as recent, as far back as recent history. Um, JFK, John F. Kennedy was controversial because he was a Catholic. Mm-hmm. Elected, elected president. Um, now those are all facts that are fascinating, but I think your your inclination to make it a love story first is really uh, on the nose. Um, so then, when did when did you fall in love with the love story? What was the story? <laughs> when did the love story happen? Well, when when I discovered that poem, 
by John Greenleaf Love Whittier. I read the poem about Jimena out in the battlefield. And that poem really shocked me because it's written by a white man. And yet it's from the point of view of the Mexicans, but in a positive way. And it, it's celebrating the soldaderas, mm. you know, the women that were out in the battlefields, tending the wounded, sometimes, you know, picking um, arms, right? And, and, and participating in the armed conflict and um, nursing the wounded, being laundresses, being cooks. They were the ones who would like go out and find food and, and water for the troops. Mm -hmm. So this poem really celebrated the contribution of, of the soldaderas in this, in this war. So when I discovered that poem, I realized that, you know, John Riley cannot carry the, the story. It's mm -hmm. gonna have to be a, a combined story between John Riley and this Tejana Jimena who ends up in that, in that battlefield. So then once that happened, then I started to think of it as a love story, not, not just a war story, but also a love story. So I started to create Jimena from, from scratch and to tr give her her backstory, where she came from. And that was when I got the idea that she had to be a Tejana because, because, <laughs> I I wanted to incorporate Texas the Texas history because the Mexican American War really might not have happened without what happened in Texas, you know, with the Texas Rebellion. So I really wanted the reader to learn about Texas through Jimena. So that is why I made her a Tejana who actually who who's from San Antonio who witnessed the Battle of the Alamo, whose own father was part of Juan Seguin's company. You know, Juan Seguin was his commander. And so it's through her that you kind of learn what happened before this, this particular conflict. And then all of that comes into play when she meets Santa Ana and she becomes his own personal nurse. Mm -hmm. And as you get to meet Santa Ana, there's a lot of context there because you've already learned that backstory. And I found the one of my, my favorite scenes that I wrote in the book were between Jimena and Santa Ana. That's powerful. That's great because you're dramatizing the history, but you're also humanizing our gente in, in an important way and, and making a Tejana, I love it, the star and, and, and revolving the universe around her um but so you got the love story you have the historical perspective it is a it, it is a novel before we went on air too you and i were joking uh about where the book is set <laughs> because language language is, is helpful, helpful so is it set and i'm going to play the game again because we rehearsed it kind of. <laughs> the book is set in texas the book is set in texas yeah, I'm, okay, I'm going to say <laughs> yes, yes, part of it is, part, part of it is, and then the other part takes place in, in Mexico, because the first part of the story um, takes place along the Rio Grande, right, in that area that now we call 
the Rio Grande Valley or, you know, the Brownsville area, all of that, all that area, that is where Jimena lives when the story opens. And of course, the Mexicans saw it as Mexico. That was not Texas. You know, to them, Texas began at the Rio Nueces, which was, you know, um, almost 200 miles to the north. So that was Mexico. And Jimena saw that as being Mexico. So the story begins there with the first two battles, which is, you know, the Battle of Palo Alto and the Battle of Resaca de la Palma. And you could actually go visit those battle sites. They're still there. I, I, I took a trip down there when I was um, working on the book and I got to see the, the, the battle site and see the prairie. And it was just really, really beautiful and empowering to be able to, to be there physically, you know, and, and, and then they have cannons there. So you get to see these cannons. And it was funny because when I went to the Palo, Palo Alto battlefield, it was raining and thundering. So it almost felt like the, the booming, like booming of cannons, you know? It, it was just really beautiful and powerful. It's a sign from the universe that you were on the right track. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, okay, we are with our dear friend, Reina Grande, celebrating her new novel, A Ballad, of love and glory, which is about our history, our cultura, but told in a really straightforward, fun way in, in the form of a love story. Really a great way for any family library to, to begin or to replenish and gain, and gain momentum. Um, any, any parting words for all your family and friends here in Houston, Texas, San Antonio de Bejar, uh, <laughs> the Southwest, and of course, you know, we'll wind up talking to your gente Califa también, but... Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I really hope that the reading A Ballad of Love and Glory is an empowering experience mm -hmm. because the book really does shine light on this moment of history that has been forgotten or has been distorted to fit the rosy narrative that the U.S. wants to tell about itself. So this book actually kind of tries to 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 bring a new perspective to the na national mythology. Um, so I really hope that you find it empowering or you find it eye-opening, that it teaches you something or it helps you to understand the, the U.S.-Mexico, you know, complex relationship that continues to this day. And hopefully it also teaches you a little bit more about the southern border and the fight for the southern border that in a way continues to this day. But most importantly, I really hope that it helps you to, to think about the fact that despite, you know, um, mainstream society constantly making Mexicans, Mexican Americans feel like we're the outsiders or we're the foreigners and that we don't belong here. You know, this book tells you, guess what? We are not the foreigners. We belong here. Yes, so that, that's all that we asked for. That's all that we asked for in the book. <laughs> and you've delivered it. Gracias. It's Reina Grande, A Ballad of Love and Glory. You can go to reinagrande.com to find out where she'll be reading, not just for this book, but when you're studying this in your Mexican-American literature course, you can find out where she'll be going next, which new work she has. 
but you'll also get to find out that she was La Reina who launched the Texas Author Series at the Latino Bookstore in San Antonio de Bejar, Texas, at the Guadalupe Cultural Arts Center. Gracias, Reina. Gracias, Tony. I'm Tony Diaz, tu servidor. I want to give a shout out to Roxana Guzman, who helps us produce our multi-platform shows. She's responsible for all these cool graphics that you've been watching. And Rodrigo Bravo Jr., who brilliantly mixes our shows for our FM broadcasts. Also want to appreciate uh, Mark Anthony Pignon, who works on our graphics for social media, as well as flyers. Radames Ortiz, who works on our search engine optimization. Leti Lopez, who works on our music. Lupe Mendez, Brian Parras, Diana Lopez, who are producers emeritus. I'm Tony Diaz, a Libre Traficante. Looking forward to hanging out with you at the arts. Thank you. See you next time. Adios.